So hey everybody, welcome to episode 290 of the Morning Disco Podcast. My name is Tim Mitra and I am in Toronto, Ontario. I'm joined once again by Jaime Lippis Jr., locked down in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we also have Mark Rubin, locked down in, or sorry, sheltered in place in uh, San Jose, California. Whoop. Alrighty. So let's dig in. So yeah, I just, I just want to talk about like my working from a home experience too, because cause for a number of reasons, I, I basically, I'm just coming up on my 15th anniversary with my company and that's actually the 15th anniversary of when I started started working from home, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I remember, like, I mean, I kind of felt that I had to go into that situation. Like, I couldn't, it, there was an untenable situation with the with my past employer, and, and, you know, the only way out of it was for me to just hey, pull all my stakes and just, you know, resign and, and start my own business, right? And so I did that, and, you know, like, so I remember the first little while, just like, what do, what do I do? I mean, I even went and did some, some house rentals for some guy because, you know, I needed to keep busy, right? And fortunately, I had some friends who... who had work and they started giving me work and you know eventually I started building stuff over time my first year you know wasn't the best well it was a good not bad year but it wasn't a great year it wasn't like a company building year but you know I, I remember how difficult it was to sort of like what what do you do how do you justify like you know there was no there was no boss there's no you know sort of I guess it's a little different with all of us working from home now is because we do have tasks and we do have reports and we do have you know things that we have to get done in a day right oh yeah and and I mean what what I'm experiencing is I mean I've worked from home before too but what I'm experiences experiencing is like nothing I've ever been through because we're shelter in place right now. The area is locked down. I mean, you're pretty much not supposed to leave your house except you're, you can go out and if you want to exercise by yourself outside yeah, yeah. or you can go to the supermarket or you can go to the doctor. But other than that, it's like, don't leave your house. And now it's through April at the earliest that, well, the first week of April at the earliest that this is going to happen. So it's kind of, it's kind of crazy stuff. So I don't know if, I don't know if they're calling it shelter in, in shelter, what do you call it? Shelter in place. Shelter in place. Uh, yeah. They basically declared a state of emergency in the province and, of course, the country as well, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's kind of going, it's spreading across to other provinces too as well. Like we yeah. only have 10 provinces and two territories. Don't at me, people. But anyway, we're, we're not, we're not as, we don't have like 50 states like you guys have, right? But um, yeah, I mean, we can, you know, I, I drove downtown yesterday to meet an employee who needed my help. And so I met him at the office and, and, and I just drove in my car and I parked underneath the, the bank, which I would never do because the parking down there is crazy, like expensive, right? And I get down there and it's like, like, it's like a quarter full, you know, and there were probably like 10 people on the street that I, that entire time I was there. Right? I mean, I, it, I talked to basically uh, three people in the time I was there. Normally I would talk to hundreds of people in a day. So it was really weird to be, it was like being there on Christmas day, kind of like nobody's around. Yeah. Right? It was pretty crazy. And, and, and we can go to the grocery stores. And I mean, I take the dog for a walk, of course, and I see other people walking their dogs and stuff like that. So, you know, when you're out in the street, you don't really notice that there's nobody around. Of course, there's a lot of kids around because they're all out of school. Right. Mm. Um, um, you know, they're all with their parents or whatever, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we're necessarily locked down like, like you sound to be. Oh, you know? I, I, as far as I know, there's only like two places in the U S that are as bad as we are here. It's here oh, really? yeah. and uh, Westchester County in New York. Yeah. Nothing else. Is as how many, do you know how many people are infected in Santa Clara or whatever? Um, or is it, is it just San Jose or is it all like the whole Bay area? It's, it's the, pretty much the whole Bay area, seven counties in the, in the Bay area. So, wow. um, yeah, I don't know how many total infections there are, but I think we've had, we've had like 
five deaths just in the county. I mean, it's not as bad as Seattle, but yeah, um, yeah. I'm I'm kind of surprised that Seattle's not more locked down. I mean, it's really weird. Um, and Governor Inslee gave uh, another press conference today. I haven't seen the details, but I do know that people were asking, like, "Hey, are we going to do a shelter in place?" And he's like, "I'm not going to talk about that at the moment. We can talk about what's going on now." And yeah, so we've had oh man, I, the, the numbers get all muddy because they talk about the national level too. So we've had like 50 some deaths as of uh, uh, what, what day is it? The 18th of March. And I want to say the infections are like a thousand or is that all US? I, I don't even know because it, it seems reasonable for either number. Um, I think we're, we're just, we just, I mean, we started the weekend with it on 250. I think we went over 300 by the w- end of the weekend, right? So, and we just had our first death in Ontario and we've had three in British Columbia because, but that was an old age, old age home that got infected. Um, and all of the cases are people who've been in contact with people who traveled, right? So, or who come from, from other country or they're like infected places, right? Yeah, it's weird. I mean, yeah. and, and just now, I mean, like, so, you know, I think two days ago, yesterday they closed the, was it yesterday they closed the border uh, to, in Canada, like to only Canadian citizens and people with permanent resident status can come back to the country. And they left the border open, like the U.S. border, but I heard today that they're closing it down to just essential things like supplies and stuff like that, right? But uh, yeah. it was odd that they would leave the Canadian-American border open, right? So it looks like there's eight, uh, 7,800 total confirmed cases in the U.S., total U.S. But that's still way less than, like, say, Italy or Iran, right? You know, China has 81,000. Italy has 36,000 almost. Iran has uh, 17,000. Spain and Germany both have, well, Spain is almost 14,000. Germany is 12,000. Uh, I, I don't know if you saw, like, there was a, a, a really interesting clip on this whole, I mean, I named the episode last week, Flattening the Curve. I didn't realize that was going to be, like, the, the term of the week. Um, but there was an interesting uh, uh, infographic done by, I think, Washington Post published it, um, showing, like, these little uh, animations of, or I guess, like, uh, I don't know what you call them, but, like, they're basically, like, um, animations of, you know, ma- like, people represented as dots, right? And then they, they change color. So they're blue to begin with. They, they they become red or whatever as they make contact with each other and they spread, like, a virus. And then it's like a, like a, like a gas distribution chart, you know, animation. And then, you know, then they eventually get better and then, you know, because infected people, people who've gotten over the disease can't infect other people, apparently. Um, and so it sh- kind of shows, like, what happens if you don't protect people, right? Like, just let the let the sort of, you know, all the little, little dots bump into each other. Just, it spreads like wildfire. And they have a, they graph it at the same time and they get that sort of high peak thing. But another animation where they showed, like, the sort of, if, it, if they separate out people, they put walls up between them and, and you know, ex- and limit the amount of um, exposure. It's interesting to see the difference in the way, in the rate that the things, the the virus spreads and or yeah, virus spreads and um, how much it uh, I will put it where should I put it on the show notes I guess right oh not podcast the other one Mode the original podcast good. topic ideas <laughs> huh back in the days when we were only one podcast oh yes right I see is that what the name of the document is yeah pod, podcast oh yeah sorry it doesn't even say uh, MTJC yeah, why so would it? Out, there, there were no other podcasts that anybody was on so that's true you're we'll talking about the, the podcast one, uh, you clearly yeah, only meant this one yeah that's true. Oh, Washington Post. Here it is. And you check check out the animations as they run. They're kind of cool. 
the show, the the first graph is just like a little linear line where they, they show people bumping each other. But then they've got these, you know, uh, distribution charts, I guess. I don't know. What do you call this kind of animation? I don't know. But I see a whole bunch of dots moving around, bouncing around and changing colors. Yeah. If you scroll down the one that says just below the linear one, that's this is just where it says our, our, town, our simulation is small, size of Whittier, Whittier, Alaska. That's the first one, right? And they all just, you know, Im- immediately get infected, right? Oh, yeah. It's and kind of a better. percolation chart. Yeah. And then if you look at the second one down, they've got like a wall between the infected and the uninfected and slowly a few people get out and yeah. right, kind of cool how it just happens over time and then eventually they all get sick. And, the, and it shows the, the, the charts, the bell curvy charts that we talked about last week for Gaussian. I think you called it the Gaussian chart, right, Mark? Gauss, Gaussian? Gaussian, yeah. And then if you scroll down to like... if Actually, if, I guess the official German pronunciation is like Gauss or, Gauss or something like that. I don't know. Gaussian? Gauss. Yeah. It's not actually Gauss, but we call it Gauss. Yeah. And if you, the, the third one down, I'm not sure what the difference is. They're not, people are not moving. Social distancing. So people are staying put and then some folks are sort of migrating around. Yeah. And then down the very bottom, sort of like the fourth simulation is... Uh, One out of every eight people in the move instead of a quarter. Yeah. They're restricting, have more heavily restricting movement. Yeah. See, once they become purple, they're not infectious anymore. But when they're brown, they're they're infectious. That's kind of cool, eh? Yep. Yeah. This is pretty interesting. And then it shows the, the free-for-all chart, which is something that we're talking about. And then the most uh, moderate distancing and then extensive distancing is even flatter. So right. I think the best we can attempt is moderate distancing yeah. in reality, which is pretty much what we're doing. Well, I mean, the other reason why I drove the car down to the office, you know, like notwithstanding the, the cost of parking, was that I didn't have to go on the streetcar and, and be exposed mm. to potentially more people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least that way I knew I could get in and get out, you know, and wash my hands constantly, you know, for all that's worth. All right. So I guess, do we have any Ask MTJC, honey? We do. And it's yours. Oh, wait, me again? You think I didn't? You think I'd look at my own posts? Oh, yes. <laughs> I just got fooled by my, I updated my avatar today, too. Um, so yeah, real time follow up. Um, we were talking the last couple of weeks about the noise that you get off a uh, off of a Touch Bar Mac. Like some, like I said, some people seem to be really noisy, clacky typing. Um, the person I was talking about at, at the office the other day, I asked asked them what they were using, and it was a 2018 um, Mac. So kind of weird that that was kind of loud because it has a little extra rubber membrane. I think because of the because of the problems with the butterfly keyboards. But but I was working on a 2016 MacBook. Uh, Pro 15, and it was particularly clacky, I found. So, so compared to the one I work on every single day, which doesn't seem to be as noisy. So, weird, eh? Anyway, that's my follow-up, and I posted it with Ask MTJC. No comments? Okay. It's it's very loose here. You know, sometimes I put things in follow-up because I feel like they should go there, and sometimes I put things in the main show. It just really yeah. just depends. Yeah. Guidelines, not, not rigid rules. All right. So, speaking of uh, follow-up, um, Jaime, you've got something for us. Yeah. Um, we were talking about some of the economic impacts as as we record this, we're still in very much the heart of the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. And uh, Apple um, is at least one of the folks out there that's saying, hey, you know, Apple Card customers, you can skip your March payment without interest. Nice. And uh, if you join their, what do they call it? Customer assistance program, you can you know partake in that. Yeah, it's a number of, number of um, I mean, our government's come up with funding and, you know, getting helping people get back to the country and that kind of stuff, right? But uh, yeah, it's always dodgy when, when these kind of things happen. Happen, right so um yeah and I'm, I'm i'm not surprised that a lot of people aren't trying to i mean we've had people who are trying to profit from this whole situation i think everybody knows about the the couple at costco from last week right um the seventeen thousand bottles of hand sanitizer is that the one yeah those yeah. those dudes who were who yeah. decided oh, it's time it's a business i'm a capitalist i'm trying to make money you know yep. um yeah they were you know they, i think they had their facebook account blocked and their amazon
was on count blocked. And I heard the other day that, that they had donated the hand sanitizer since, you know, I guess their, their business has fallen through. But apparently they made like $100,000 in a week selling, like, marking up and selling the hand sanitizer. I mean, it's, you know, it's ridiculous. But Well, they were they were charging like what, like $50, $60 a bottle for it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was crazy. Yeah. Crazy. And of course, all the toilet paper's gone around the around here anyway. I don't know about you guys. Yeah. Same here. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and uh, <laughs> Home Depot was uh, had special had specials on uh, you know home bidets that you could attach to your to your <laughs> existing toilet, and they were all sold out. Right, just just FYI, right? <laughs> so that was sort of funny. Yeah, um, my my cousin over in uh, in Houston, Texas, uh, decided to buy uh, the Hello Tushy or HelloTushy.com. Hello Tushy. I'm not sure what the product name is bidet, and I'm awaiting his you know personal review because I think we have very similar sentiments on this sort of thing. So. Well, uh, if it goes well, I might be saying, and today's episode is brought to you by HelloTushy.com. <laughs> Hello, Tushy. Save 10% with coupon code MTJC. Yep, yep. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I saw a cartoon of somebody uh, drawing themselves with a hand dryer the other day. Um, uh, what's next, Sammy? Oh, this is big news. Big news. Yeah, it's, so this is one of those ones I'm like, this qualifies as follow-up. Why not? You know, it could be very main show sort of news, uh, just given the, the, the gravitas uh, that I'm going to present this with but last time we were talking about well you know we still don't know what's going on with wwdc it kind of seems since san jose is like guess what you can't have at the time you know gatherings of a thousand people or more and wwdc is about five times that if you went with just pure attendees right and uh, lo and behold since the last time we recorded we have uh, gotten news from apple that sometime in june and we don't have a specific date as of this recording wwdc 2020 kicks off in june with an all-new online format they gave us the official yeah. news, and we've got the uh, the Apple.com newsroom link for those of you driving it home. Yeah, it's funny. I don't know. Like, um, I think it was the the Tonight Show or something had, um, or Colbert Show had uh, recorded without a studio audience. I think one of you guys mentioned that. And I, I watched it the other day, and they had the staff sitting in the in the stands, you know, cheering and clapping and whatever, um, like they guess the writers and whatever. Um, but uh, and, and I just watched. I don't know if you watched the PlayStation Five um, announcement. I think it came out like yesterday or this morning. Um, and they've got like the CEO of, of whatever talking and it sounds like it's in a recording studio. It sounds like there's nobody there. And every time that they, they sort of pan back to show the audience, it's like cardboard cutouts. It's almost like mystery science 2000 or 3000 where these, cause you know, it's clearly meant to look like there's people in the audience, but they're, you know, it's the same people in every single shot that they pan back to. Right. And they haven't moved. So it's kind of kind of funny, but I hope hopefully Apple doesn't do that because what's going to be missing from the Apple thing is going to be the oohs and ahs that we get every every year, right? As Tim Cook announces things. Yeah, I I wonder if they'll end up leaning into it and just having like a laugh track sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, but like a '70s style one, like like you were listening to Three's Company or something to give a little you know levity to the situation. Yeah, and they always laugh at the weirdest things, like I guess the stuff you're supposed to laugh at, you know. Um, yeah, but I think that's why they went to the recording with live audiences because they get the live audience reaction right so yeah yeah and, and it does make me wonder and i'm certainly not the only one but people are wondering like oh are they gonna change the format at all you know normally we have the keynote in the morning uh, morning pacific time and then you know mid-afternoon i think it is for the platform state of the union is there a real strong reason to have those separated by that much time does wwdc go a full week i mean part of the week is repetitions of the previous you know content that you might have missed out like how can 
and you miss out on the content. It's there. <laughs> you saw it online live. Or if you didn't, by the time Friday comes along, it's clearly available as a video. You're not missing anything. You know. It's- yeah, I'm pretty sure last year there was not a lot of repeats. I mean, I know what you mean. Like in years gone by, there's, you know, usually Thursday and Fridays are repeats of, of previous talks. Like Yeah, but it, but it, the last couple of years, it hasn't been that way so much. Yeah, it's been packed, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And, and if, you, if you think about it, there's now at least four different OSs, right, <clears throat> that, that they're right, supporting. true, true. So there's yeah. lots of stuff to talk about. Whereas before, you know, if you went back to, say, 2014 or something like that, or earlier even, uh, it was it was just, there was iOS, there was macOS, and that's it, you know, and, and, and there was lots and lots of talks, you know, lots and lots of talks about UIKit, right, let's say. Whereas now, there'll be maybe one talk about, you know, what's new in collection views or something like that, and that's all you get. Well, this year it was SwiftUI and combined. Well, sure, really. yeah, yeah. I think. So wait, so you said four OSs. So did we ne- not have anything that touched on Objective-C in the last couple of years? Like four uh, four languages, I guess. I mean, I guess two languages, four OSs, right? Uh, yeah, uh, by o- uh, OSs, I meant iOS, macOS, WatchKit. No, I know, watch I know what you meant, but I was, and, think, and I was thinking about Objective-C, but I guess it's not an operating system. Yeah, itself, I technically, that, I guess but, there's five if we include iPad OS now. Well, that's what I thought you meant. So you were saying Mac OS, Mac OS, iOS, iOS Watch OS, oh, watch and TV, TV oh, OS, right, yeah, yeah. and iPad OS. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, we're going to talk about iPod, iPad OS in a few minutes, but yeah, there's definitely, uh, definitely, it's, it's starting to spread its wings, as it were, right? Yeah. Um, hmm. I don't think it will expand beyond a week. That's something that people have wondered. I think, if anything, this would give Apple engineers even more time to, hypothetically, to, you know, polish up releases for September, because um, they won't have to, um, you know, disrupt their lives quite as much, yeah. or, you know, being in person, being at a very particular place at a very particular time. Um, I'm kind of hoping that a lot of these videos are actually going to be pre-recorded. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I expect yeah, a lot. I, yeah. I think from my guess, and I don't know anything, but my guess is that from a looking at the schedule of talks, it, it won't be any different than what you, we've had in past years. We'll still have the same keynotes. Right. We'll still have the same sessions. Still, but they, but I think they will be slicker because they'll all be pre-recorded uh, and they'll be available immediately. Uh, maybe, they'll, maybe they'll be immediately timed for when they were supposed to actually be if they I don't know well, maybe they'll take the Netflix approach and put everything out at once I, I don't know I yeah, don't know I about that say, bin, I don't binge know. through WWDC yeah, yeah, yeah that I don't know yeah yeah that's a good question actually will they will they actually have a, a schedule for the talks or will it just be here's all the talks that I don't yeah. know the thing that, mm. that'll be missing of course is the labs that's the huge one so well and also and also the audience reaction because a lot of times when, when somebody's introducing a new technology and they talk about something and somebody in the audience goes yeah and you know like that kind of like changes the yeah, but the pacing. Tim, you're you know? kind of a fanboy, so you know. <laughs> no, I, I've never, I would never do that. But, but the other thing too is I've noticed over the years of going to WWDC is, is you know, and this is not a knock against the presenters at all, but sometimes people look like they're standing at the gate of hell giving the talk for their life. You know, like their life depends on this talk. And other times it's so polished and precise. You know, like the, the, it's almost like aut- an automaton giving giving talk. But and and you know that they do practice these things. You know, oh sure, clearly before they get up there. Right, so I think that that from that polished point of view, this may change the whole tone of WWDC going forward. Like it may it may become they may find that this is just the way to do it because they can serve to so many more people rather than having a yeah. In, in, in and they are but like, they are depending on the WWDC videos to be their documentation yeah. more and more. Right, that's true. They, that's true. they save a lot of uh, documentation writing cost apparently. True. Yeah, but the lab. But you're right. The the for me the 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 reason to go to WWDC or any conference anyway. I mean conferences. Is, is it's about the people you meet and the accidental. I mean, I met you at, at a, a trade show. I met right, I met right. 360 iDev. 
have, you know. How else would I have ever met you guys? And uh, and I've met, like, I've got friends that I ch- communicate with on Twitter and stuff like that that I haven't seen since I met them at, like, you know, 2011 WWDC or whatever, but in real life, as Greg likes to say, but or IRL. IRL. But, um, you know, and the labs, I mean, the, you know, like, I, I met some, some amazing engineers at, at the labs who, you know, basically changed my life by showing me one little simple trick, you know, um, you know, that got you out of it, got me out of a big jam in some cases, you know, like, yeah, that that's, it, you don't get that kind of time with, with uh, people, especially from Apple, right? Now, what would be kind of cool is if they, if they say had, you could schedule a Zoom meeting with an Apple engineer oh, to make true. up for the yeah, labs. Yeah. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But and we talked about this last time, I think, but the, the problem with that is that without the filtering of, of only people with a, a ticket can get that, then they, the queue to have these meetings would be ridiculously long. Well, and they could do a lottery for that too. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's a yeah. lottery to get in and it's a lottery to book whether you get, because I mean, one thing to get a ticket and get into the conference, you also have to find out when you can go book the time at the lab. Well, that's right? true. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I spent three days going back and forth to the po- the podcast lab to try and find a time when we could do a recording there. Like, and it was ridiculous. We didn't get into like Thursday or something. Right. So yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how we ended up doing the man in the street thing. Cause I didn't think I would have time to get into the studio, but anywho, cause we're just a little tiny iOS podcast. They don't care about us. Right. Just the number one result for iOS development to this day, to this, this, day. this day. And the, the other thing I'll, I'll address that I've heard other folks talking about is like, Oh, um, now that it'll be online, maybe they'll have it at a different time. They can work better for other regions. I'm like around the world. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like it is literally impossible to do that. Take, take one of my old picks of the week, every time zone.com and, and, start at like the 9 or 10 a.m. time frame Pacific and just move the slider around and see if you can find a time that works for everywhere. Hint, you well, can't. Here's you- a crazy thought. Here's a crazy thought. Suppose they could actually put out the talks in multiple languages now too, right? Given that they have the time. I mean, like, it's one thing that we all, like, everybody around the world has to learn to program in English because that's the, the language the stuff is presented in. But people don't, I mean, a large percentage of the world speaks Spanish and a large percentage of the world speaks Russian and Chinese, you know? Now, this is an opportunity for Apple to maybe to maybe put their money where their mouth is and, and do like a multilingual um, trade show, right? That would be a lot of work. Yeah, well, mm. you know, what are they all also thinking when they're locked down in Santa Clara County, right? Uh, fix bugs. <laughs> <laughs> bugs. Apple doesn't have bugs, do they? <laughs> if only, if only they would fix bugs. Yeah. All righty. Anything else we want to say about WWC? Gonna be really strange. That's all I gotta say. It will be strange. Yeah, but we live in a strange do, world now, don't we? Well, exactly. But do you think do you think that this conference would recover from that? I mean, this is what it's been going on for years. It's current style. Oh yeah, no, of course. A, any, every corporate sponsored thing will survive. Something like right. AltConf. Uh, who knows? Well, they, they announced today that they're not. They're, oh, sorry. Right, right. But will they be back <laughs> next year? Oh, well, we yeah, we jumped ahead a little bit, I guess. But yeah, yeah, it's that's much more questionable about, about whether they'll be back next year. Unfortunately, why don't, you, why don't you jump in there now that we spoiled your your, your pick there, honey? Yeah. So AltConf was intending to do satellite stuff. Uh, around the world in uh, 2020. But unfortunately, they have come to the conclusion that just a ton of conferences have come to. They're like, you know what? It just doesn't make sense of what's going on. And even going online only was not going to work quite for them. So they are canceling. Uh, I think a lot of folks say postponing to 2021. In my mind, that's canceling in 2020, right? Um, it's it's unfortunate. Uh, it's a loss. And, and to right. Mark's point, you know, these things that are not you know, driven uh, specifically by a company or set of companies, it's a little bit more difficult to see the future of what will happen there versus, you know, WWDC, you know, 5,000 people who are fortunate enough to go 
if you took, you know, the current uh, set of people who want to go to WWDC and you cut that in half and you cut that in half and you cut that in half again, I forgot how many halves I got to. I'm pretty sure you still have a lottery. (laughs) Yeah. You would still have like 10 times as many people trying to get in as who want to actually be there. Right. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, if Apple decides that this works really well and they can save a lot of money, that's a different story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they have a whole Apple TV thing now too, right? So they have a way of of distributing it. True. The, The tech has come along quite a ways where, you know, they can live stream some stuff if they want to. They can have stuff pre-recorded and just instantaneously available when they, you know, flip the magic button uh, sort of thing. But uh, I, I do yeah. think that a lot of conferences after this year around the world will be start wondering, hmm, does it even make sense to do the in-person part? Was it was it worth the hassle? Was it worth other things? And, and no doubt that there will be many conferences that say, no, actually, like getting people together in the in-person networking is really hard to replicate in an online fashion. And we still need it. And others will say, you know what? This actually could have just been a whole bunch of press releases or our own, come watch our YouTube channel or, or come see us on Twitch live stream and we would work just as well. Yeah, I, I think conferences in general will be more impacted by the economy than specifically the, the travel restrictions because of the virus. Now, of course, it's an it's an indirect really, uh, reaction to the to the virus. But, but if the economy has a sustained downturn, then a lot of these, especially the little conferences, will, will just not be viable uh, because the, one of the first things that companies do when things turn bad is cut off travel and you know not essential business travel things like that so conferences will go away a lot of them which is unfortunate i think the whole travel industry is gonna is gonna take it on the nose sure because, oh yeah i mean we've been we've all been cavalier ah just jump on a plane and go to hawaii or jump on a plane and go to india or whatever like it's now it's you know or australia or, ten, or new zealand or whatever now i think it's going to be very people are going to be very worried about it, at least for a generation right yeah you know by the time the who whatever the millennials call their kids once they get out there they may have a different attitude towards it like like we kind of sort of did right so you know when i was a kid you used to hitchhike everywhere right you know like you would just you'd bum around and you know you'd go from one city to the other with your thumb out right and we don't do that anymore for reasons but you know um things change over time right yeah yeah this why can't have any nice things all right yeah so i posted this here this uh this is a sort of the stuff that's been rumored to be coming out of ios 14 one of them is and we saw this today i mean i guess it's kind of i kind of got scooped by today's news right um that um they were guessing that uh, people had looked at what's inside iOS 14 and predict whether Apple would have a, a new 3D uh, camera in in the uh, iPhone 12 Pro. But I think the iPad that they announced today has this LiDAR feature, right? Yeah, it's. I mean, this was just a rumor, so it's, it's hard to say whether the rumor was just off a little bit and it was really about the LiDAR. Uh, LiDAR is, yeah. for people who don't know, it's a, it's a laser-based technology for, for doing times of time of flight kind of measurements. You know, it sends a little laser beam and, and by what's uh, reflected and the angle that it's reflected in and the interference patterns and all that, uh, you can tell what's around you and the distances away from things right, right. that you are. Uh, so yeah, so it's unclear what, because this article was saying the rumor was that this was, would be in the iPhone 12 Pro. So it's possible that there will, will be something in the iPhone 12 Pro and the LiDAR is something else that's for the iPad case, or it's possible they just got the rumor wrong and it really was the LiDAR thing and they just, you know, got it slightly, they were slightly off, who knows. Well, it's also, all, I mean, the LiDAR thing also gives them the ability to, to scan a room and figure out what's what's in the room. And then, yeah, you know, so in, the, yeah. in the demo, which we'll talk about in a little bit, you know, you can have the augmented reality experiences because you now know what's in the room, right? Right, yep. Or at least like the 
program would know. So LIDAR is a technology that a lot of self-driving cars and things like that right. use to find uh, objects in the world around it. Interesting. There's a reflection in the picture that's in this article. The picture was taken with an iPhone, uh, I guess it's uh, tw- or like an 11, <laughs> taking a picture of a pro. As you can see the reflection of the picture in there. Anywho, um, it's kind of like the picture that Neil Armstrong took of Buzz Aldrin, where it's the only picture we have of Neil Armstrong on the moon because he's reflected in Buzz, Aldr- Buzz Aldrin's shield. Anyway, um, you're up, Jaime. Yeah, this is follow-up to us talking about GitHub being available on test flight and mm-hmm. uh, beta channels on Google Play, but now it's actually officially available. You can get it on Google Play, you can get it on the App Store and have the actual completed version. So you can access, you know, all sorts of, to be very clear, I think we said it the last time, it's not a Git client. This is all about you using GitHub for your organization. So, mm-hmm. you know, you've got the inbox of notifications for things that you need to take care of. You can view pull requests, you can view your repositories, do other things, but you're not going to be like writing and committing code. It's more likely uh, submitting an issue or taking a look at a pull request and saying, hey, I actually think that there's something wrong here while you're on the go. This is sort of a Jira um, Bello kind of replacement? Not quite, since it, it's really more about the um, the meta stuff in GitHub, mm-hmm. you know, the mm-hmm. stuff around the code, but isn't really the code itself. Right. So it's not like mm-hmm. you're, you know, like uh, history and other bits. And, and, and again, like being able to like create stuff, it's more about like, uh, here's a perfect scenario. So if I'm out and about at lunch and I was really waiting for, you know, the final uh, approval to come in on my you know, uh, pull request for code review, I might be able to see it and say, oh, great, cool. Now I can actually have that code merged. And then presumably by the time I finish my sandwich, everything will be loaded and ready to test. Or or right. even better, that, that two-line pull request that you need someone to approve just because that's the process and they're off at a two-hour lunch and you have to wait for them to do to approve this two-hour two-line uh, PR well now at the start of their two-hour lunch they can get on their phone and just approve it even better right. <laughs> right. it's a win-win for yeah. all involved yep all right that's cool Alrighty. well we'll move on to our main so I don't know how I did this but I managed to scoop Jaime Lopez Jr. today on two stories um, three actually I guess but um, yeah and I'm torn now because I was in the market for I figured looking at last year's um, MacBook Pro Fit 13 versus the the, the newly introduced MacBook Air, um, the footprint is the same. Yes, the MacBook Air has Touch ID, but it doesn't. It didn't have enough storage for me. I wanted to get at least one terabyte drive in it, so I was like, going, okay, well, I'm going to probably get a, a, a MacBook Pro 13, and because uh, it didn't seem to be like I could get the, the the RAM I wanted, and I could get the I also can get the ports. I can get four ports on that one. But now, yeah, Apple's introduced a brand new MacBook Air today. Surprise, surprise, with the new keyboard, which is another reason why to look at this guy, because we were we were thinking that they were going to come up with, with a 14-inch uh, MacBook Pro. Uh, surprise, surprise, they didn't. They came up with a MacBook Air, um, bigger touchpad area. Um, it's available up to 16 gigabytes. You can get it with four core uh, i7 processors if you want. You can put in up to two gigabytes of, of data in it, uh, of SSD drive in it. But, uh, but again, it's only got two uh, USB ports, which makes me kind of nervous. Another reason to get Apple Care on it. But yeah, that sounds to me like I'm, I'm, I love the MacBook Air. I've had I've had the very first MacBook Air. I've gone through every generation of MacBook Airs. Um, it's my favorite, you no know, form factor for Apple computers. And uh, so yeah, I think I'm I'm torn now. Whether I wait for a next MacBook Pro or I buy this one. But yeah, it looks pretty good, eh? What do you guys think? They all look good. If you need one, buy one. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. they're only going to get better in the future. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I mean, but like the keyboard is definitely uh, definitely an improvement. I mean, you know, I currently use uh, the butterfly so 
switch keyboard at work and I don't know I've you know I don't have an issue with it I don't hate it you know it's fine I'm not a big fan of the USB-C transition thing I'm still you know suffering through that but um, and, and, and you know I've had issues with USBs over time USB-C ports over time because we plug in and plug all day long in our environment and I've had I've noticed issues with it right but uh, not as sturdy as like a display port or a mini mini display port right or a Thunderbolt port um, what do you guys think what, what would you would you buy one of these guys would you think about it well I've never bought an Air because I, I always do the pros but you know for the price point it's pretty good I mean it depends what you're going to use it for I kind of wonder though I mean if if you're not using it as a development machine if you're just using the computer for email or browsing or whatever why not just uh, well I'm I'm, uh, I'm burying the lead again here but uh, yeah, why yeah, not just uh, get a brand new what's next on the list <laughs> yeah well we can jump to that sure yeah. you can you can, yeah. you can do the unveil I, I think before we do though like my opinion on this and I think I threw this in our in our Slack channel um, I personally have always gone with the pros especially as they've gotten so much lighter like just just dig out some older ones from when you started doing like iOS development and marvel at how tiny the pro is even the the newest one that's the largest yeah. and with that said that's because I don't find the you know any particular downsides to the weight and size but I think if you're optimizing for portability then I mean really the the two USB ports shouldn't be that big of a deal because if you were carrying a whole bunch of extra gear with you it's kind of less portable by default yeah, what are you true, really true. saving yeah. so I think if you're you know really mobile and constantly on the move and uh, you know you're willing to give that up uh, as a trade-off I, I think it's quite worth it to get this and then likewise I think it's quite sensible to get the pros if you're like dude it could be as heavy as a tank it's mostly on my desk what do I care you know um, it is just, I don't think that there's a real you know strong answer for for anybody and I, I think folks who are kind of in the middle like that's probably the toughest choice right I mean the thing about it is the difference is that like like I said the physical the actual footprint if you look at the, the amount of desk space it takes up and the actual weight of the, the MacBook Pro 13 versus the MacBook Air they're not that much different in terms of in terms of uh, in terms of physical size right I mean the admittedly the Air is slightly lighter but not by much right they both have the you know the high res screens now they both have touch ID right the MacBook Pro 13 has touch bar which is another consideration um, you can get the MacBook Pro with four USB ports on it and um, the, RAM, the RAM and hard drive or the SSD drive capacities are pretty much the same too right in fact when I priced out the uh, the MacBook Air with the options that I wanted you know the four the i7s the four core i7s the um, the, uh, the one terabyte SSD or even if I went to two terabyte SSD and and the uh, 16 gigs of RAM it came out in terms of price like a few hundred dollars less than this equivalent configured uh, MacBook Pro 13 so it's kind of a toss-up I mean yeah if you're looking for a low cost entry level you know use it on an airplane kind of um, computer then MacBook Air makes sense but that said what Mark was leading to makes even more sense if you're not doing Xcode on it right or, or Final Cut or you know Logic you know um, so it's uh, yeah I'm torn I mean to, for me the difference is the newer the newer improved keyboard on the new MacBook Air versus you know um, the current state of affair with uh, with the keyboard on the 13 right so like I, I was just the other day I was in uh, one of our neighborhood stores looking at the two of them and yeah they're they're, they're practically identical other than one's wafer thin right well they're going to have a, a new keyboard on a small MacBook Pro within six months so yeah so that do I your, wait or, yeah. you know yeah. I mean I it's funny I, I've, I've ordered one of those uh, from a Kickstarter I've ordered um, the invisible uh, dock which sits underneath and has four ports on the side and they kind of clip into the thing so you can have like your desktop configuration and you can pull it out and you know mm. go, go no more 
Nomad, right? But I ordered it with the four ports, right? So now I'm like, oh, what do I do? Um, I've been trying to get ready for, for a USB-C device, you know, trying to find ways to use my monitor and all that kind of stuff that I currently have. And, and you know, charging and that kind of stuff using the old chargers as well. There's, there's all kinds of adapters you can get on Amazon to make them work, right? The MagSafe connectors. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's I, I'm I, like I said, I'm a big fan of the MacBook Air, but, you know, I, I, I don't see much difference between it and, and a MacBook Pro 13, to be honest with you. Other than the things I said, lack of touch bar, four ports. And performance, right? How, how much slower is it? Yeah, and performance too, I think. Yeah, I think that, well, the other thing too is, the other, uh, other thing that's uh, odd about it is I have a souped up MacBook 13 and I've had issues with heat before, right? Mm. Um, like I fried the SSD drive once because the, the Mac overheated. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's uh, I mean, mind you, I, it's a 2013 model and it's 2020 and I'm still using it as my day-to-day computer, right? You know, actually, speaking of that, so my, I also have a 2013 MacBook Pro that I've been using since then and been saying, yeah, I really need to up- upgrade for a long time now, but I just haven't. Uh, today I noticed, so you, I usually just use it as a, not really as a laptop, it's just sitting closed on my desk, you know, and I use the big monitor, so I don't even really pay attention to it much because I have a, I use the, the uh, wireless uh, trackpad and, and keyboard. Yeah, same here, yeah. Well, I noticed today, though, that it's it's gotten warped over time. It doesn't sit flat. Really? And, oh, yeah. and looking at the cover, uh, it doesn't close flat anymore. Yeah, there's a battery swell issue with the, with the older Macs too, right? I, I wonder if it's that. that, actually. Yeah, because my, my Carol's 11, her MacBook Pro 11, I had to loosen the screws on the bottom because the trackpad wouldn't work anymore because the battery got a little swollen. And I've replaced the battery on my MacBook Air too because uh, it, get, you know, when they added that warning a couple of years ago, it started saying, hey, you need to get this battery serviced, right? So I went on Amazon and bought one for 100 bucks. Right. So this is a good point to interject and say that we lost Mark. Really? Yeah. I heard the little yeah, Zoom tone <laughs> and I looked over and saw who was I'm telling you, he touched, he touched Telebear again, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Here, let me just see what this switch does. <laughs> oh, well, we'll wait. How are you? He'll, he'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. doing doing all right. You I'm know. talking still. <laughs> doing yeah. all right. It's, um, you know, life is mostly not different. Yeah. You know, it was working from home for a long time, just like, yeah. like you were. So mostly not. Hey, there you go. There, there's Mark. That was pretty weird. So I, I was fiddling with the cover of, of yeah. this computer that I've said is warped, and yeah, it just I'm knocked pretty... me off the Zoom call somehow. Nice. It didn't did your Yeah, I was going to ask, did you, did you flicker at That's, any? Like, did the screen it, go dim? Like, you, you accidentally bent the... The screen did go dim. Well, the screen actually went out on my monitor, but I don't think it would have rebooted that fast, because as soon I just opened the cover of the laptop, and then it was back. So that was just kind of weird. It, maybe it was a connector was bad. Or, well, if it was just a connector, it wouldn't have knocked me off the wall. Did you have to rejoin the call? I did, yeah. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you that on my uh, my 2012 MacBook Pro, I switched the side that I was using to connect my microphone to because the port went bad. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I said about the ports, right? Port went bad. And so I had to switch it to the other one. I was like, oh, well, thankfully I've got this wireless mouse. So I don't need this other port. Yeah. Yeah, well, truth be told, I'm working from home right now, so I have my touch bar 15-inch Pro here. And I went to use it with my, my I have the dongle, the Thunderbolt 2 to 3 dongle that I was talking about. It won't support my uh, DisplayPort monitor. I have to get a different different connector for it. Weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah we went into this uh, uh, 
shelter in place mode. First thing I did, well, when I knew it was happening the next day, first thing I did was I ran down to the Apple store. I had to get one of those uh, USB-C to Thunderbolt display connectors because I knew my work computer is a USB-C and I knew I was going to want to plug it into my big monitor at some point. So I had to go out and... So you have a those. Thunderbolt display at home, right? I have a Thunderbolt display at home. Yeah. So on my... Yeah, I have the I have the LED display port or one mini display port. Yeah. So one of the nice things about my old laptop is it just plugs right into the Thunderbolt display with the yeah same with as the, that, yeah. with the uh, MagSafe and 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 the display mini display port. Um, but yeah, with the USB C ones, if I as soon as I upgrade, I'm gonna have to start going through dongle aisle. Yeah, I'm really missing the uh, yeah. I think I'm gonna have to just go on Amazon and buy the thing. But uh, uh, speaking of which, um, there is one line in this article that I want to bring up before we move on to the next um, thing that Apple announced today, and that is the line that says you may order a new MacBook Air starting today. Apple says the machine will be available in, in Apple retail stores starting next week. Although, of course, most of the stores are shut due to the coronavirus mm. outbreak. So mm-hmm. funny that they, they didn't change their marketing message about that, you know, because I mean, aren't most Apple stores closed? Well, I'm sure this was planned months in advance. Oh, right. Yeah. So hmm. they probably okay. they probably actually have some of the supply already at the stores, I would think. Oh, true. Yeah. 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 So if the store happens to be open, then sure. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, but, you know, Apple's always, you can always buy anything and have it delivered. I guess that's land, right? Yeah. All right. Which brings us to the next thing. Well, I guess it's like my reveal. So it's me again. So the other thing that Apple announced today, which was a big surprise, was a brand new iPad Pro, uh, 11 and 12 inch models, I assume, and this fancy new keyboard, uh, Magic Keyboard. And uh, what's what's interesting about the Magic Keyboard, first of all, is it kind of floats, so you can uh, the angle adjusts differently. It has a USB port on the side of the keyboard, so you can charge your your uh, USB C port, I should say. You can charge your uh, your iPad Pro as well. Um, I did think I heard that it's also compatible with last year's iPads as well. But, but what's cool about this is it has a trackpad and it also, and and iOS 13.4, is it 13.4? That are next OS? iPad OS 13.4. iPad OS right. 13.4 adds support for trackpad and mouse, which is kind of interesting. Because when I heard they were adding trackpad to the iPad, I'm thinking, that's kind of weird. Because the one thing I'll say about that is I do have a keyboard and, and a MacBook Pro, and of course I have a pencil. But what I find is kind of broken about the experience is you'll be typing away, but whenever you want to do anything on the screen, you have to reach up with your hand and move, you know, click on something, yep, yep. which, you know, Steve Jobs used to say your hand will get tired if you did that. But um, but it is kind of, a, it does feel like a broken experience doing that. So now that we'll have the trackpad and be able to click on things, and I guess adding more mouse support means they're going to have mouse down and mouse up commands coming to iPadOS. What do you think? I didn't look, but I would guess that there would be other events that you can handle, that you can, you can opt into and say, oh, yes, I do support touchpad. I do support mouse. Because um, it's it's more than just like basic mouse. I guess this sort of gets into the the other very slim article about adding full mouse and trackpad support. It's it's not just like cursor. It's kind of like a mouse cursor, but with the focus engine from TVOS, where the oh, yeah. the focus sort of switches. So you know you might have a like a little like you know, finger dot pointer, and then you hover over like Tuesday in your calendar, and it takes over. Mm-hmm. Like all right, that's what the touch target would have been for Tuesday, and it expands out. It's a really kind of slick animation. You know, granted, you can't see it on this very show, but uh, I would suggest, you know, pulling off on the side of the road or, or, or taking a little <laughs> break and, and, and just switching over to like YouTube or something, find some videos. It's really cool stuff. Uh, and, mm. and one thing they, they really can't do is have both types of gestures available, uh, both, you know, touch style and mouse style, uh, both available at the same time, because that would break the entire mm. Project Catalyst strategy, right? Uh, 
Because oh. once you once you have an app that depends on two different types of interactions at the same time, potentially, then how do you map that from iPad to Mac and back and forth? You can't. I don't think I'm getting what you're saying. So let me give a scenario and see if it matches what you're saying, just to be clear. So yeah. having multi-touch, like using your left hand and then using your right hand to manipulate something with the mouse pointer at the same time? Right, right. So if, so okay, of, course, of course they can't turn off all the existing multi-touch stuff. It has to still be there on the iPad. So, but I'm saying, yeah, they can't add in addition mouse style gestures to support this case because it would break that interoperability. Yeah, I, I could see how that would be the case. Yeah, yeah. And and this one I had kind of wondered with the the fancy pants keyboard. Like uh, one, you know, how heavy is this keyboard, this magic keyboard, to hold it in place? Yeah. Like, can you can you use the multi touch on the the iPad without tipping the whole thing over? Like, did they take mm. the the neutral star material from those old yeah. Mac pros and <laughs> shove it into this. It is a good question. Is, is this meant to be, is this meant to be a dock or is it meant to be a portable keyboard for the iPad? That's a good question. Yeah. Can you sit it on your lap too, right? It doesn't have weight to it to, to sort of yeah. keep the cantilever going, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that may be why they decided to put the hinge where they did as opposed to on the, on the very, you know, apex, right? Because like I have, I have a, a Logitech keyboard that has, you know, it kind of sits at one angle, which is really annoying because it's never the angle I wanted at, right? Whereas this one says it adjusts to 130, de- 130 degrees, so uh, presumably it's got enough, you know, sp- uh, mechanism in, or tension in the spring to be able to, so you can turn it and it will stay in that position, right? Like like the big, you know, big monitors do, right? Yeah, yeah. I, so, I saw it from 90 to 130, and so it, it really yeah. becomes the the iMac G4 equivalent yeah. sort of yeah. feel is what I imagine it'll be like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The more I look at this, I'm looking more closely at the pictures now, and to me, this really looks like it's a dock. It's meant to sit on your desktop. And mm-hmm. when you want to mm-hmm. be out and about with your iPad, you pull it out and leave with it and you leave this thing on your desk. It's it's definitely not like, it's not a replacement for these cases with the keyboard in it. That no, you, that exactly. You that, that's, yeah. yeah, that's my, my problem with the cases too is, is once you clamp your computer, your sorry, your computer, once you clamp your iPad into the case, it's kind of stuck there until you unclamp it. You know, it's not, right. this like this is held on magnetically. So you just, in, in well, let's talk about this, this amazing commercial that they've got here called How to Correctly Use a Computer. And it's tongue firmly planted in cheek showing how to use an iPad and they're talking about it's not a toy and that people are playing games with it and you know treat it with respect and there's like an artist dropping it into her bag and um, you know and then somebody you know using it at a desk and then just grabbing the iPad and pulling away from the keyboard leaving the keyboard on the desk but you know carrying on with the, the iPad using the pencil for whatever reason so it kind of gives you the flexibility like like Mark and I both talked about having we both have the, the, the monitors where we're using the display port connection on the side of our Mac we can unplug and become portable in a matter of seconds, right? Um, same sort of idea, but it's like less than unplugging kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I don't know that it's quite like a dock because I thought that they showed it closing completely closed. Yes, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. now granted, oh. I think it suffers, presumably suffers, and none of us has tried this. I assume it suffers from the same thing that the Surface Pro from Microsoft suffers from in that you can't adequately well, use it, sucks. it on your lap. Yeah, right, right. Right? Like it's, I think it's more, you know, folded up so you can carry it around like like a like a notebook and then mm-hmm. you know plop it on to uh, to a desk and you know a nice flat surface and then you can you know very easily disengage it the ipad and and you know say oh i want to curl up on my couch or something and use the apple pencil and, and and sort of everything in between except i don't think that it will 
fit into the actual like laptop name of laptop where you would adequately use it on your your lap again unless it's extraordinarily heavy and doesn't flip over on your your your, your meaty thighs yeah that's interesting because like the logitech keyboard that i have i can flip it over like i can flip it over on itself so i can have it i can have the the tablet itself facing up and have everything sort of folded underneath right um so i can flip it around and use it as a tablet and then i can flip it back and use it like a like a mini laptop and then close it so it clamshells closed right um this has a this what i like about this keyboard compared to the previous keyboards is when it closes up it's pretty much it's like a flat closed thing and the, the amount of space that the hinge takes up is the is the thickness of the ipad so in if you watch the video that i'm talking about um they do show it closing up at the very end there um it, it so actually starts closed nice. too at the very beginning it's oh does it yeah okay it. yeah yeah so it's kind of it's kind of like a cl- it's kind of designed to fit around the the thickness of the ipad as well of course it adds thickness to the ipad but yeah. and also i just noticed too in reading this it also has the new scissor switch uh keyboard as well right so another reason yeah um scissor switch backlit keyboard yeah so it's pretty cool we haven't even talked about the ipad right i mean this ipad is the new has a, a a12 chip are we at the a12 chip i can't remember this isn't on a new one but it's an a12z z chip or a12z chip as you might z call it because it was z. you know designed by apple in california yeah but it was manufactured in china how do they say z in china um, not like canadians i would guess yeah they for sure yeah. don't say z <laughs> that, you know that's an actually maybe border. In, i've had it with you guys you in know. hong kong they might say z formerly a british colony <laughs> that's true that's true eight that's core true. cpu yeah. eight core gpu alongside apple's neural engine so you get 10 hours i'm doing air quotes 10 hours of, of battery life and it's uh the l and lte that's up to 60 percent faster wait it's not it's not um what's a new one called um 5G? 5G? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, 5G's oh, yeah. not ready yet. Yeah, that's true. We released March 24th. What? That's a whole week from now. I want it today. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. Looking uh, pretty cool. And plus it's got LiDAR, which we haven't talked about. We yeah, the, talk about the yeah. very quick sort of demo that they show in, in one of these two videos, possibly both, seems really cool. I mean, there's the aspect of like how much more accurate it will be when it comes to handling AR. And I think they, in one of the commercials, it shows them like, oh, like here's the pretty typical, I'm shopping at Ikea and what will that couch? look like in my room and being able to more accurately figure out where things are especially for occlusion so you can figure out you know where would the coffee table clip you know the the couch since the coffee table is in between me and the the placement of the couch but they show you know the uh, i don't know if this is some view that you can get or if this is um more of a, a artist interpretation of the visualization but seeing what the lidar camera sees excites me a whole lot because i'm like wow i can't wait to see what that sdk looks like and how much sort of data we can get out of this stuff and map more things with this powerful new sensor. I do wonder if the, if LiDAR will show up in the in the iPhone 12 or is this going to be just an iPad only thing? Is it Does the thing take up so much space that they can't put it in the, in the iPhone? Yeah, it depends on the teardown because when you when you look at the back, it kind of looks like they shoved it into the same square um, back. So instead, I don't think it has the telephoto lens. I think it has the two other lenses that the Pro would have and, and then replaces that placement with the LiDAR sensor but I don't know if that's yeah. accurate. So assuming it does, and, and I know I'm getting a little bit off uh, track here, but but this is actually an interesting thing. I, I think this may be the first time. Well, I guess that's not true. I was going to say this is the first time that they introduced a brand new feature on the iPad before the iPhone, but they did that with the pencil, didn't mm-hmm. they? Yes, they did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. but I think your statement might still be true and we need to analyze it. And introducing something new on iPad that crosses back over to iPhone. Right, that's true. Because pencil, that's pencil true. to 
to this date has never not, has. Right? Yeah, that's true. Right. And, and also trackpad and mouse support, right? Because again, this is where iPad OS separates itself from I- iOS, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, okay, let's be silly here. Uh, why can't I, you know, like get one of those, um, you know, goggle type things? I'm thinking of like the Oculus Rift or other VR mechanisms uh, where you just sort of, you know, get this little eye visor thing. Why can't I clip my iPhone right in front of my face and then use, you know, mouse and keyboard support to have this like 56 inch screen monitor effectively in front of my face? Mm. Now, how much would you pay for <laughs> for, for this, uh, this support coming over? So here's a description of the pro cameras. It's a 12 megapixel wide camera capturing stunning 4K video and also a 10 megapixel ultra wide. So it is ultra wide. No, no telephoto, like you said, Jaime. Um, yeah. And then the LiDAR thingy. Uh, quality, high, studio quality microphones in it as well. Um, breakthrough LiDAR scanner. I'm reading the article that's linked at the bottom of the uh, article. Um, trackpad support. Uh, one other thing we were talking about. It also, the display also has um, promotion and uh, where was it? Yeah, so it has, oh, liquid crit, liquid retina display, uh, not OLED, um, P3, P3 wide color support as well as um, as well as promotion. So, yeah, cool. Uh, oh, and True Tone. Um, and then, of course, it supports the second generation pencil. Um, just a quick thing about the keyboard before we move on to this or come back to this for a second is that it is backwardly compatible with the um, previous iPad Pro models, the third and fourth generation 12.9 inch and the first and second generation 11, which have only been out for two years, right? Um, so not the 2015 one that I've got or 10 inch one that Carol has. Um, it's a very cool device. Um, yeah. I am if it very... only ran Xcode, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting closer to, to that reality though, right? Like, you know, yeah. I, I, I feel like within the next, where do I want to say? Within the next two to three years, we will be on this very show complaining about mm. why can't I run Xcode on my iPhone? Because <laughs> it will be that because it'll be like, well, they so well on the iPad. Why not? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Why I, can't I, I think... strap my iPhone right in front of my face and that's that way I can see everything on my code? I, yeah. I think the, the mouse and trackpad support was, or, or keyboard and trackpad support was one of the biggest things prohibiting Xcode. It's, we may mm. see it sooner than later. Well, so here, I was thinking about this today. So remember we had those, those robot-y, I forget what they were called, like Xcode robots or whatever, Xcode bots or something like that. Like why couldn't you, if you, if, I mean, if you're serious as a developer, why couldn't you buy like a Mac mini or something or like take your, your 2013 MacBook, whatever, um, and run a version of Xcode over there that just did the comp- compiling. So you could actually write the code, compile it r- remotely, wirelessly, and then, you know, have it, have it render the app on your, on your iPad. Like what, cause it, cause that's what's pre- prohibiting us from doing that right now is we can't run separate processes to do all the builds, right? Cause building an Xcode app requires, you know, all the sort of stuff to run on underneath uh, in the background, right? Is that not true? I, I think it's more, I think it's mostly just the, uh, probably the network traffic. You have, there's mm. tons of files that X, Xcode generates right. a lot of files yep. and to, to be pulling those back and forth all the time. Well, would by be, the same token though, Apple has the chutzpah and the, and, and the inclination that they could run, they could figure out how to run. I mean, they're sure they know how to run backward applications on, on an iOS device, right? Or iPad OS device. So why couldn't they have a compiler that runs in the background, right? Cause you, you and I both know you can go to the command line and build an app, right? You don't have to yeah, have yeah. the GUI 
you to run it, right? Uh, so. oh, I, I'm not sure what that would gain you. Running in the background, what would that gain you? Well, I mean, like, like, because that's the big thing with with Xcode currently. When you do a build and run, you're actually running a bunch of background. You're run, running a bunch of command line stuff, right? Right behind the scenes, right? right? But what would it gain you to do it in the background? I don't, I don't understand. I'm just saying, like, because because the the issue about iOS is or iOS in general is that you know you're basically running. You have more control over one application at a time with the whole sandboxing and everything like that, right? Like we're limited by that as developers, but Apple's not limited by that because they own the OS, right? And they own the hardware. So they could they could make an environment where we could build do build build with Xcode apps, right? Or oh, of course, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So hurry up, Apple, let's go. <laughs> yeah, I, I do actually kind of like the idea of if they're not going to let things run, you know, all these different processes like you would be able to run on macOS to get Xcode to do what it does. Offloading it to the cloud is not inconceivable considering that you have stuff like uh, GitHub's actions that's trying to do sort of like Jenkins in the cloud well, we do integrated with your source yeah, exactly. code yeah. thing, right? And, and I think you were spot on with the Xcode bots thing. It's yeah. like, well, what if you extended that technology and it runs on you know some hardware that's you know, local to your environment, like a Mac Mini? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, what if you know it did run in the cloud? Apple's or partnership with Microsoft, who does own yeah. GitHub and, and NPM. And- I mean, this stuff's not impossible, but but I, I think for the normal developer today, it's not quite there. Because if you think about what Jenkins does, yes, you send mm-hmm. all your code over the network to your Jenkins machine. It does the build. And then if you actually want to run something, you have to pull down yeah, an IPA, IPA yeah. right, and install yeah. it somehow. And yeah, you can do it over, over the network and you can do that. But but imagine how that would impact your, your real-time development environment if you had to do that every single time. If you could only, imagine today, if you could only build and run by going through Jenkins. Mm. That, yeah, it, yeah, it the, wouldn't work the, today. It, it, it's it's possible, uh, but I think we're not quite there yet. Yeah, yeah. The 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 cycle time on feedback would get annoying, but I think. And then, you know, what, what would a breakpoint be, right? And and all these create all these cool things that we can do now of stop a breakpoint, change a variable, and keep running. All that stuff would be gone, or, or at least severely limited. Like I know that Microsoft has the Visual Studio Code online stuff that's doing a lot of stuff. No, granted, I don't think that they're doing it for non-web technologies. I'm mm-hmm. not sure uh, what what's going on and sort of building stuff natively. Yeah. But I think if I look at it from a different perspective of right now, if um, you know, I'm on a beach in Tahiti and I want to do something and all I've got is my iPad, I have a cycle time of how long does it take me to fly back to the United States <laughs> and get to well, my, my laptop and use that versus, uh, yes, a very slow, but certainly a lot faster than, yeah. than traveling back. So well, it's like now, a time. But now there's, there's the other approach that, that is certainly feasible. I'm not actually sure why this hasn't gotten more viability uh, or more more traction uh, is certainly VPN technology is good enough if you have a good enough network that you could you could have your desktop not v, I'm sorry not VPN VNC uh, so you could actually have a desktop open on the on the build machine and not be able to tell the difference if you have a fast enough right. network connection right. now it used it used to be very tedious and painful because it was so slow you know to do something you'd have to you'd press a key and you'd wait three seconds right um, but now these days it shouldn't be like that anymore if you're on a if you have a you know if you're on a fast uh, wi- fast Wi-Fi or, or even Ethernet Ethernet why not so it seems to me that's a more viable approach all right well let's wrap this up so just some quick we haven't talked about pricing or availability but the 11 inch and the 12.9 inch they're available in 128 256 512 and one terabyte configurations for storage um, the 11 starts at 799 US uh, for uh, Wi-Fi model and 949 for um, cellular uh, 
the 12.9 is 9.99 or 11.49 for uh, cellular. Um, there's educational pricing as well. I'm going to skip over that. Uh, sorry, folks. Um, the Magic Keyboard Pro for iPad Pro is available for 2.99 for the 11 inch and 3.49 for the U for the uh, 12.9 inch. Um, there is still we didn't talk about this, but there is a, there's a um, the existing uh, fo- smart folio keyboard has been updated for this guy too, and uh, so 179 and 199 for those. Um, they all work with second generation uh, iPad pencil for iPad Pro, which is one 129. Um, yeah, and uh, available in multiple color co- countries, languages, all that kind of stuff. Oh, and yeah, here's the best part for the American folks out there: if you're using your Apple Card, you can get an extra three percent off, right? Or yeah, three percent daily cash back when you buy an iPad from Apple with the Apple Card. There you go for a total of six percent. If you're saying an extra three, uh, no, it says just customers get three percent daily cash back. That's what you currently get, right? You oh, okay. So uh, so it's just the normal buying from Apple three yeah, yeah, percent, yeah, not yeah. not in for, for additional for 3%. Americans and the rest of us are on the hook for their extra money. <laughs> oh, you damn Yankees! Hell yeah, you and your tea. Anyway, um, yeah. So that's uh, that's it. So I guess we'll talk about. You can talk about the uh, the mini, right? I mean, yeah. This is the in now. How much would you pay? <laughs> section of the show, and uh, it turns out you'll pay exactly the same amount, but you'll get double the storage in the base configuration and in the right. which is what seven ninety nine it says now comes with two hundred and fifty six gigs of storage. Still not enough. Ten ninety nine config has five hundred and twelve gigs. It was That's a very very Jenkins quiet machine, right? Update. Sorry. That's for your Jenkins machine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Well, that might even be overpowered for a Jenkins machine. <laughs> That's true. Well, you can, yeah, yeah. So three three USB. PC ports three or two USB 3.0 ports, HDMI two port, headphone and Ethernet jack. It's got a headphone jack on it, folks. Yeah. Hmm. The reviewer said that they had trouble with the GPU performance, which may be uh, a bit of a misnomer. But the minis are always been have always been pretty cool. I, I own two of them currently, so and they're still working to this day. Anywho, all right. And then yeah, so I, there's a couple of videos here that came along with the thing. I think we mentioned already. The um, first one is how to correctly use a computer. Um, tongue firmly planted in cheek. Pretty funny video. And the other video that came out today, and it's all on Apple's YouTube channel, uh, your next computer is not a computer. And it's basically a, a promotional piece for the, the, the new iPad Pro with the fancy smancy keyboard. It's, yeah, cool. So are we there yet? Any comments about those? No? No, I think they were pretty well done. They'd certainly get me hyped. And it does continue in the same vein as, I want to say it was last year's What's a Computer as yes. they did with the, the young lady who was doing right, all sorts right. of cool stuff on her iPad Pro. So speaking of that, because there was a bit of controversy about that last year, and I just want to get your opinion on this. How do you think this stacks up against the Surface now? I'm not super familiar with the Surface Pro's latest editions, but it seems mm-hmm. pretty reasonably comparable to what I recall and, and projecting, you know, a year or two later. And I, I think the usage, uh, so granted, we were very heavily focused on, like, the developer story, you know, Xcode and other things. It's not there yet for that. And, and certainly spent, like, you know, a few we do have I, We do have Photoshop now, which we didn't have last year. Yeah, so that's, that, that changed things. And what I remember, um, gosh, I really don't remember which episode this was that I mentioned uh, in defense of the Surface Pro uh, and, and and sort of tangent- 
essentially defending, you know, can an iPad Pro be a quote-unquote pro machine? I had some sort of work done on my house. So a contracting professional came over and he had a Surface Pro, you know, folded up like a binder. And then he, you know, unclipped the Surface and we went around the house and I showed him the sort of work that needed to be done. And he was using whatever app he was using to uh, tabulate, you know, everything that, all right, here's what we need here. There's that. Okay. Writing some notes. And then that's while we were walking around the house. And then when it came time to, all right, well, let's calculate out what the estimate is for the job. We sat down at my dining room table and he clipped it back into the keyboard and he was able to use Excel to use some sort of, you know, custom spreadsheet to very quickly come up with, all right, given all these different things, here's what your estimate would be. And then I could sign off on the, yep, that's cool. Here's what the stuff that we want to do sort of work. So it, it was very seamless for that standpoint. And I could see this new iPad Pro and Magic Keyboard touchpad sort of combination working very, very similarly. Hmm. Does the Surface Pro have pen support? Yes, I forget. Actually, I think theirs is called the pen. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the way that, you know, Apple's is called the pencil. I think theirs is the right. Surface Pen, if I'm not mistaken. Cool. All right. And what does it run? It runs an Android or something? Or no, it runs Windows, I guess, right? Yeah, that one runs Windows 10. Um, there's newer stuff that I don't know if it's gotten to the Surface Pro, the Windows Windows 10S. What do they call the simplified mm. version? I forget what it's called. Right, right. Hmm. And then there's the Duo stuff that's coming out for the foldable. Oh, uh, is it Windows Neo and Windows Duo? One one is kind of a more simplified. What if you started, um, you know, Mac app storifying Windows, but it's right. more locked down and more um, sort of predictable, much more akin towards going towards the Chromebook philosophy of I could drop this in the ocean and get a new one and it'll be up to speed almost immediately. Right. And the Duo side, which is what if phones had, you know, folding clamshell type screens. And that one yeah. is the latter one. Duo is Android based. I don't recall what's on the Neo side. It's some variant of Windows. Hmm. How's a Windows phone doing? Uh, it's been dead for years. <laughs> and Windows Mobile, it's ostensible, Windows 10 Mobile, it's ostensible replacement has been dead for a year or two. So yeah, so how you doing? <laughs> that was a sort of a sort of a dig. We used to say that to uh, our friends from Montreal when they used to criticize our football teams. And we'd kind of go, yeah, how the Alouettes doing? But I think the Alouettes are back now. I'm, I'm not sure. Who cares? Anyway, there's a variation on that joke. Um, all right, let's go uh, to our picks then, if we can. Um, so, Jaime, you have a pick? I do. I can't recall if I'd ever mentioned Swift format before. Um, I think it sounds familiar. It. Yeah, I, I felt like that too. Like it was familiar. Uh, it's not the same as this, the Swift Docs tool that I mentioned a few episodes ago. This one is actually, um, it's a linter. So I guess it mm. competes yeah. at least for half of its job with Swift Lint. I wasn't terribly interested in it for that perspective because I'm already a pretty reasonably happy user of Swift Lint. Um, but Swift format, the formatting part of its name is actually what I was interested in. So hey. it will do something very similar to um, a Golang's Go format or uh, in the JavaScript world, if you have uh, Prettier or ESLint. It can use Clang on Objective-C. Is it similar to that? I don't know. Does Clang actually reformat your code? Clang doesn't format your code, does it? No, we see as a tool on, and it was an Xcode extension, um, Clang format, I think it was called. It used to, used to oh, like, so standardize our code. It wouldn't get rid of white spaces and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, that's Clang, this yeah. kind of thing then, yeah. It's similar in concept, so it's not a new concept, but mm -hmm. being able to reformat your code um, based on you know, sort of what your linting rules would be is is pretty neat, and it's pretty easy to install. I went the um, homebrew route 
to do that. And I gave an example, which we have the link in the show notes. So my, uh, my now defunct sample code for one of my conference talks, the what's my age again conference talk. I ran that through the, uh, the linter and, um, after sort of ignoring the white space differences, it showed some differences in how it felt I should, uh, arrange that code, which I thought was pretty neat. Like, Oh, all right. So putting the, the final, uh, let statement in, uh, in, in like a, if let or guard let, we have a, a bunch of comma sort of, all right, you know, let this thing and then use that next piece to unwrap this piece and then use that piece to unwrap this piece. It has uh, some different opinions there. So I thought that was pretty, pretty nifty to see. Yeah. I like the indentation indentation with two spaces. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a two space guy. Yeah. So you can, you can actually output the, the current configuration that it's using, mm-hmm. tweak that all you want, and then use that as the configuration going forward. So I think if you were going to use it yourself or more likely with some sort of teams, you could sort of decide as a team, once and for all, we decide this is what we're using. And we don't, not only do we not even have to discuss this anymore, which you would have gotten that power from the linter, right? Because right. probably yeah. you're running it locally, or at the very least, you're running it on your uh, your Jenkins machine on your poor little Mac mini or, you know, whatever your um, CI, CD sort of uh, automatic building, continuous building system is. At the very least, it, it's some check on like a pull request or code review. The machine is like, hey, guess what? You, you left a trailing comma there, or, you know, you have too much white space between your, your parameters. This I kind of like because I can actually write it however I want, and I can be rather sloppy and not have to remember that it's very specifically two spaces. I can put hundred mm-hmm. spaces or no spaces. Just say, cool, it compiles, now runs Swift format, even, you know, adding this as a, a target, uh, not a target, as a uh, as a script within an Xcode build, and it will just automatically change it to be as our team standard. Now, how much would you pay for this free nice. open source yeah, yeah, product? Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, some people are using Swift Lit, like you mentioned. So I guess a competitor to that? or For at idea? least the linting part of, oh, we found this thing in your code that violates the, the way you should format. This goes the extra mile of formatting it. And, and actually, I don't know, does, does Swift Lint actually do any, does it have an option to format your code? Last time I looked at it, it did not. It made by now, I don't know, but last time I looked, it didn't. Hmm, interesting. All right. Um, my pick's not a new one, but um, I mean, it's new to me because I just found out about it. It just came out on paperback uh, just at Christmas time. It's available on as an audiobook, and it's also available in hardcover. It's a book, Ken Conceda, um, who was uh, a developer who worked for Apple for a number of years, and he was around uh, at the time of the early uh, introduction of the iPhone and the iPad. Um, worked with Steve Jobs and Scott Forstall and a few other people like that. And uh, interesting story. I'm always fascinated by the stories behind the scenes of what happened at Apple during the time you know Jobs was around and, and a few other people. Um, yeah, so he was at Apple for 15 years um, and uh, he's, ri- he's written this book. Uh, the, the first chapter, just made it through that one uh, just yesterday actually, was uh, talks about the first time or second time he demoed to Steve Jobs he was demoing the the keyboard for the new iPad before it was coming out, and uh, you know, sort of how he had he and his boss had come up with two different designs. One is the what we currently know as the iPad screen, where the the keys are almost the same size in landscape mode. They're almost the same size as, as uh, you know the wireless keyboards uh, we have on our or the keyboards that we have on our MacBooks. Another one was another design was to have even more keys, like on the iP- on the iPhone. The iPhone keys were smaller than your finger uh, finger basically, to so you could you know. Uh, that was sort of a design decision they made, and he talks about how he presented this to Steve Jobs, um, who uh, and who basically said to him, he said, "I've got two designs for you to look at." And Steve looked at them every which way he could, um, wordlessly looking at them, and then he pushed the button to switch between the two different designs, and 
uh, so he started, so Steve looked at both of the two designs, went back to the first one, and then he turned to, turned to Ken and said, "Which one do you like? Which one do you think we should have?" And it was an interesting point of point of point of view. Like, and this is where I'm hoping this book is going to lead is that um, what he was saying was that what Steve Jobs would do in these kind of meetings is he would uh, pare down the decision down to one choice as opposed to having two choices. And then what do you do in notes and what do you do in mail and which keyboard do you use and do you let the, the client the user ch- choose which keyboard to use which application as opposed to having just one simple choice and, and he was sort of saying the name of the book by the way it's called creative selection Should have said that from the get-go um, but yeah so he was kind of explaining how apple and through steve jobs guidance would basically simplify down the experience to a, the lowest common denominator in terms of design and that kind of stuff to not confuse the client he basically wanted the whole experience of using ios and the iphone and the ipad and by extension the mac to make it super user friendly and that's sort of the you know as we all know that sort of apples was apple's operating procedure for many many years right so fascinating book if you're into sort of the history of apple and how things got to be um this book is kind of interesting because it talks about what we're all dealing with today which is ios and how did they get to decide or how did they decide what we're working with today in terms of the the gui and the original gui and how how look and feel works and keyboards and all that kind of cool stuff so um yeah recommend this book called creative selection by inside apple's design process during the golden age of steve jobs is the the subtitle check it out link in the show notes <laughs> available as uh you know audible audiobook or amazon kindle in case you are yeah. having trouble getting deliveries that'd be something <laughs> to consider digital media you know man i managed to get it out of the library for free that's even better right so but you can't go to the library now no but i got audiobook oh the audio right? yeah. you can you, yeah. at our toronto library we can get yeah, yeah, you can get digital digital version right i probably will buy a copy of it on on from amazon i've got it on my wish list so definitely something to have in the collection but yeah cool got a cool book that's it well i guess that's it for another week so hey hi if people want to get in touch with you wherever they find you i'm on twitter is at dev with the hair lockdown in seattle um and mark if people want to get in touch yeah, with you you can find me you couldn't uh you couldn't come see me because of the because of the, the, virus, the yeah. virus but uh but mark r at smopsoft.com all right and if you want to get in touch with me t-i-m-m-i-t-r-a on the twitcher machine is where you'll find me and until next time we'll say bye-bye bye 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 This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps, code, and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends. Please leave a comment on the website, and if you can, please write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. So use the hashtag AskMTJC. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. Please consider supporting the show by pledging any amount on Patreon.com slash MTJC. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.
I bought myself a set of digital drums. I'm not going to play drums because I mean, got, I've got the basses, I've got the guitars, I can, I've got the microphones for recording. I just don't have a drummer handy. And now, yeah, now even even more. I mean, I, I bought this before the whole you know world fell apart. But um, and now I'm just learning some basic drum patterns, right? So I can do my own my own music making. I've been playing guitar mm-hmm. some more lately. Have you? I'm playing mm-hmm. a drop D on the acoustic. Oh yeah, yep. yeah. Did you, did you have you tried out some of that Coburn stuff, or do you, you I guess you don't know it that well, right? Oh yeah, I don't know stuff well enough to actually try to play it yeah yeah he does a lot of, a lot of like that um wonder where the lines are that's a drop d drop d tune and oh, okay. yeah, it's very economical in terms of how he uh, he does stuff it's amazing to watch him play like he's you know it sounds really complicated but it's yeah. it's really interesting to well, it, it is kind of interesting so you know i do a lot of finger picking stuff so yeah when when you're doing that on the acoustic when you're playing in standard tuning i pretty much always gravitate to either like c's and g's or e's right and yeah. stuff based on e's but yep. but as soon as you drop that bass string down to d you go to drop D. Yeah. Uh, for those of you listening who don't know what we're talking about, is on the guitar. There's the you know, of course you have the six strings, and there's a standard way of tuning all the strings. But if you if you change the tuning of certain strings, you can change kind of the way that you play the guitar. And just by dropping the bass, the, the lowest E string down to a D, then all of a sudden it's very natural to play a lot of things in, in D. And and so right, you start yeah. playing a lot of open D chords and, and chords that go Lots along. Neil Young. Yeah. Yeah. It just changes the way you just approach things as soon as you pick up the guitar. Yeah. Sorry, Hammy. <laughs> That's all right. No, it's it's totally fine. Um, you know, for me, I've got uh, stuff on my reading list. Books I already had. Uh, the business value of developer relations. Next up will be the design of web APIs, and then that'll be followed by uh, web components in action. So, Got to do something since we, you know, we still can go out. We're not sheltering in place, but models will just expect that it's coming any day. Yeah, well, there's lots of shows on uh, Netflix to watch too, right? So oh, I've sure. got more shows. Sure. I've got more shows to watch than I can deal with right now. Yeah. Hmm. Podcast for folks to, to listen become to. Become a uh, TV couch potato though while you're in shutdown. Shutdown. Yeah, that's not constructive. Yeah, like I said, get a dog. Foster a dog. I heard the, heard today that people are fostering dogs since you're home anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, that can make sense. Well, but when you're stuck inside, having a dog with you is, makes the problem worse. If you're stuck inside, I mean, you can take your dog out for a walk. But, yeah. yeah. Well, not, you guys don't have a curfew or anything like that, do you? Sort of. Not really, yeah. but sort of. I mean, the idea is that unless you have a specific reason to leave the house, you're supposed to stay inside the house. Really? Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what, this is what I'm saying. This is not just, you know, social dis- distancing. This is, this is shelter in place. This is a whole nother level. Yeah. I was talking about a friend from New Jersey. He said they have a curfew there. Is, is New York heavily hit with uh, this thing? Oh yeah. New York is probably the most heavily one right now. Uh, Westchester County, they had, they had uh, New Rochelle. The town was, was doing yeah. a shelter in place last week. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. The U.S. Big- government or the military, I should say specifically, the Navy has sent a Navy ship to act as a hospital. Mm. That they're going to have really? docked wow. off huh. the off the uh, in the harbor, I guess, with New York. Yeah, hmm. yeah, we don't we don't have nearly enough hospital beds in the in the whole country for right. projected damages this can do. Well, we don't either. That's why they're they're you know, we're yeah. also locked down as well, right? So yeah, pretty crazy time. Yeah. I guess the the other bigger news, Mark, that I was curious in getting your your take is the the Brady departure. John oh, Brady yeah. has officially yeah. announced that he's leaving the Patriots after a very long and very yeah. Illustrious career. Yeah. Where's he going? 
hasn't been officially announced yet, but the consensus is it's probably going to be Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Do they have a chance of winning? They've got a chance. They've got a decent team. Yeah. Yeah. The interesting thing will be if, if this season is somehow impacted and granted it's pretty far away. So hopefully it won't, things won't be still going on, but, but you know, if this, if this thing lasts through the summer, then their, you know, their training camp gets, the NFL's training camp gets impacted and the season might get impacted. So, so then uh, Brady might sign on to a really expensive one year deal somewhere and not get, not get to play much. It'd be kind of ironic and sad for him, Mm. but we'll, we'll see. Yeah. What do you think this is going to do to professional sports? I mean, like, is it, they're not going to like concerts are all canceled. Sports things are all canceled. canceled. The NFL and basically any American style football, the NFL and college football, I think end up with the most impact because they have the fewest amount of games compared to the other major sports. Like, I don't want to diminish, you know, the impact of like, hey, what if you cut off 30% of the season? But in baseball, when you have 162 games, as an example, like I know that there's a lot of excitement, you know, towards the last tail end, the march to the playoffs, trying to see you would still have a lot of that if you chopped off 30 games, 40 games, yeah. cut it in half, you would still have like an NBA season's worth of games. The NFL, you, you can't physically play games too close together for too long. Like right. the body just breaks down. So they would have to eliminate games. And it's, you know, you eliminate you know, 30% of the games for the NFL. It's like, well, take 16, 17 games and, and reduce it. And it's like, oh man, they're, they're hardly playing at all. They, <laughs> the winner is whoever wins this week <laughs> and the next week. There you go. There's your champion. Yeah. I think sports will, will certainly rebound from this. It's it's not doing any permanent damage to these sports, but it'll hurt. You know, it might it might last a few seasons. Just having the you know the, just the missing training for a year for these pro athletes, you know, it might have big impact long term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Uh, I mean, certainly the 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 fans will always have the asterisk sort of thing, right? Somebody will will be very happy that their team won the championship, and somebody else will be like, "Gosh darn it, we would have won it had this not happened." Because look yeah. at what we were doing prior to the the stoppage, or yeah. you know, we we missed out on a few games that we were certainly going to win and then we would have had better seating. Yeah. Um, I think the one that I wasn't aware of that uh, that came up on John Oliver's last week tonight on HBO where he said, for heaven's sakes, Liverpool is about to win. They haven't won in decades. They're 25 points up on Manchester City. Like, it's almost impossible for them to lose. Why not just declare them the champions now? Yeah. I was like, oh man, that would, that would be really frustrating. Hmm. But, you know, Tim, your your Toronto Raptors are still maintaining their lead in terms of how long yeah, they have been. We're the still champions. the world champions, right? They might be the longest single season champions ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's happened before, though. Wasn't there like a, a hockey strike or something Jonathan was saying? There, something like that? there was a baseball strike. Yeah, like yeah. a lockout of some sort. Yeah. Mm. yeah Seems like a very 90s season. thing to do. I think it was the 80s, actually. Oh, was it? I'm thinking of the baseball one in the 90s. Maybe it was the 90s. Maybe there were multiples. I'm not yeah. sure. And, and I certainly don't know anything about you know the NHL, what would have happened there. All I can say is for from the NHL perspective, it's actually really good that this didn't happen the year that Seattle came in as an expansion team. Because um, I think it's pretty critical to not have lost momentum when you're trying to build up a market. Hmm. Well, thank God for time capsule last week, eh? I can't believe it pulled a backup just at the right time. Oh, I know. So, well, the backstory is last week, we, we I, my internet went down. Actually, it turned out to be one of my one of my time capsules was was messing with the network. Um, I, I've, I've since switched over to my complete, uh, everything's on one, um, you know, fast, speedy router, router now. But um, yeah, one of my time capsules was acting up and me- messing with the network. And so I lost my, my connection halfway through the show. And the way we record here is, is you know, we 
Jaime and I record, and then we also have a backup recording that we record on Zoom. And um, somehow I got knocked off, which meant, but I had sto- I was hosting the meeting. So when I came back, um, the software I saw the software say it was saving the file, right? And it saves us off to the to the drive, and then um, and it processes it, turns it into into MP3s or whatever. But the when I came back, it said, "Hey, the meeting's still running. Do you want to start?" A new-? I thought I should start a new meeting, but it said, "No, just join the existing meeting." And so I, I went, "Okay, fine, I joined the existing meeting." What I didn't realize was at the end of the call is it basically since the ID of the of the call was the same, it just overwrote the original files, right? So thankfully we, we gabbed for a long time because um, time capsule runs I think every fifteen minutes, and uh, you know when I went to record do the do the final mix on on Friday, start you know mixing down mixing down the show, um, I realized that I didn't have the first half of the show because it had been overwritten, and you know we're like, well, what are we going to do? And I started editing the show trying to edit out all of Mark's stuff because we didn't have Mark's track, <laughs> and uh, yeah. which was made for really weird kind of editing. And then I thought, you know, then I thought, and we were chatting about it on Slack, and I thought, well, let me just check the time capsule. What are the odds that, you know, like like maybe the time capsule did run? And I'm, I'm crazy about backups. I actually run three time capsules during the week anyway, right? Uh, and they all run, they, one runs, and then the next one runs, and so on and so forth, because not one of them is 100% reliable. But it just turned out that when I went to restore, I went looked at the folder, and I you go into time capsule on that folder, you can set the time back. And I went back to like, you know, um, around the time we were recording or finishing the recording. And thankfully, Time Capsule had captured the thread. So, so I restored it, renamed it something different so it wouldn't it wouldn't mess it up. And then, yeah, then, then I was able to get the original recording back. But what a, so, such a fluke, really, you know. But And it's all because the I guess the, the people who make Zoom didn't think about an edge case where, you know, uh, a, one, the, the host recording would get interrupted halfway through, you know. And like, why wouldn't they think of like using a different name but i've noticed that too that it seems to use the same names over and over again which is kind of odd because i worry about that with spotcast too because i could accidentally overwrite the spotcast or overwrite my more than just code with spotcast and so on and so forth could be record one night after the other right totally weird maybe they're recycling hey. the folders yeah well you guys always used to give me a hard time about that like <laughs> i still will i have to scroll very far well, because how the sausage made i had to scroll very far down on dropbox to make well, sure just, I, just, i'm getting the, the episode title or number right. all i do is all i do is like, click on the top and tell it to, to order reverse. So I always put the li- I always look at my folder, my binder folders with the latest date at the top, right? So I have the most current files always, or folder or whatever is always at the top. And I, I live by that sort of routine. But um, I'm afraid of typos is- because I've made them before and clearly I made a, a mistake by not verifying my side of the recording. Oh, really? Yeah, well that's why we had to go to your time machine backup of like, oh. I, had, I had my QuickTime, I didn't have our Zoom backup. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, what really drives me crazy is is Jonathan calls his his side recording Spotcast fifty eight, which is what I call the episode, right? So it's really annoying that like you put your name on yours, I put my name on mine, you know. But yeah, he's he's a goof yeah. that way. And and if the fine folks at Zoom would use like you know, normally this isn't uh, you know globally unique enough to be yeah. effective, but I think it's pretty reasonable that if they chose down to like the second that you started yeah. the yeah. Uh, the recording and said that's going to be the file name, yeah. you know, this date, this time, down to this second, it's very unlikely that you have a critical so, data loss if you start and then stop within the same second of audio recording. So here, here's the math question for folks out there, and, and maybe it's ridiculous, but I only have, I have a free Dropbox account, which I started years ago. I think I only have eight gigabytes of space that I that I earned by, you know, remember you used to invite people and you get you to earn like a you know a quarter, meg, quarter of a gig, whatever. It wasn't very much, right? So every folder on the more than just code, you know, podcast folder on Dropbox costs me six kilobytes, right? <laughs> 
So how many possible folders could I have, you know, at that rate, right? Probably probably tens of thousands, I suppose, right? But yeah, it's just, yeah, they do cost something. I mean, they're not free. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, because he's, he's joking because I used to recycle the folders. I used to just rename the old folders because they're all empty. I mean, I've got, I've got like, I don't know how many. I mean, let me look and see how many are in here. I mean, if we want to do that way, right? So we're we're in the... There are 142 uh, folders in here right now. We're so. in the, the reuse part, right? So we've recycled, we've reused, but we really should be reducing. So if we just went down to one folder to yeah. drop things into for MTJC and one folder to drop in for SpotCast. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That but, would be good. Know, but numbering them this way, like, I don't know. It's not as if we, you know... Well, I already demonstrated that three of us have, like there's three of us on SpotCast and all three of us have a different naming convention, right? So... <laughs> naming is difficult. <laughs> yeah. We, I think we talked about that in like episode two of this podcast, didn't we? Standards are I'm difficult. Sure. It's, it's sort of the, uh, you know, everything that we're dealing with here, you know, uh, manual versus automated processes. Yeah. How many backups yeah. do you actually have? Like all of these are just this me- and naming stuff are metaphors for software development. Yeah, that's true. Like the yeah. grasshopper and the ant. That's, that's, that's us. That's true. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny whenever, you know, my wife and I are complaining about search engines and, you know, like not search engines in general, but I mean, search engines on specific websites when like the other day I was on Best Buy looking for a Thunderbolt 3 to Thunderbolt 2 adapter from Apple, right? You know, it's the one that lets you plug a Thunderbolt thing into a Thunderbolt thing, right? But I was calling it Thunderbolt 2 to Thunderbolt 3. So I went to Best Buy's website and looked for it. They didn't have it, right? And I'm like, what do you mean you don't have this thing? Like it's an Apple product or an Apple reseller. You should have it listed. And because their their software or their search is not sophisticated enough to say, well, maybe you meant this, you know, which which falls into the same criteria, right? Or or it really drives me crazy when I go to search for something like Thunderbolt 2 and it just assumes that I want Thunderbolt 3 or it assumes that, like, it gives me results for the, the number 2 as well as the word Thunderbolt, you know? Like, just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in that case, since it is, I have had difficulty searching for those sorts of things. Um, it makes me think that what they really should be doing is visual searching of, like, I need an adapter. I have this hole and I have this hole. So take a picture of all your holes <laughs> and, yeah, and yeah. submit. And then and then the yeah. Apple reviewer is looking at like, what is this nonsense? Like, no, declined for explicit materials. Like, no, no, no. Yeah. It's not an orifice <laughs> hole. <laughs> well, they do have, they call them male and female too, which is another thing that I've always had a weird, I found that a weird convention. But anyway, um, I often, when I'm going to search for things on web, websites, I will go to the images results. And because and I'd rather look for an image than try and figure out whether this, but but my, I guess the, the, the mic dropping point about this is that we have had natural language processing available to us for what, three, four years now, at least at the consumer level, you know, like we could have been building natural language processing into our app since, I don't know, 2017, maybe 2016, right? But I know Sam mm-hmm. Davies did a demo, a demo at that 360i dev, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I remember yeah. Ayako Nonaka doing something with the NLP yeah. stuff mm, anyway. probably before Siri even, maybe, yeah. maybe Siri might have been around. No, yeah. I think Siri's been around for a while, but, but notwithstanding the fact that I still haven't put natural language processing into my own app, so I guess, you know, Mia Culpa there too, right? Whatever. Interesting. My neighbor is pretty famous for musician is doing a free concert on Facebook next on Thursday. A lot of people are doing neat stuff. There's museums opening up their collections and symphonies opening up their archives. People are putting more stuff. Um, we'll end up talking, I'm sure, on Spotcast about stuff going online and becoming freely available, or uh, you can pay for it, but you wouldn't normally have been able to get it before. Right. A lot of, a lot of differences. Yeah. I've been kind of wondering what I'm going to do. Like, I've still got a back 
backlog of stuff to watch. I'm not even sure if I'm going to start um, Westworld. So that already happened, what, Sunday? Mm. I might wait a few weeks and then binge to catch up and finish it in real time with the month that, that's left to go. So I was thinking of doing it. So far, it's working out so pretty good. I haven't seen any spoilers yet. For what? Sorry. For Westworld. Didn't Westworld just start? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's today or something, right? Sunday, I thought. Sunday? Hmm. Yeah, I thought Sunday was the premiere. There's lots of things. Amazing stories to watch. I started watching that um, one about the game um, on Apple TV. Mythic Quest or whatever. Mythic Quest. Yeah, I didn't actually yeah. get a chance to start that one. How, how was that? Uh, it was okay. First episode in. But uh, it's, you know, it's very, very, uh, very much like a development shop. <laughs> you know, I don't want to spoil it for you. Hmm. Um, last week, I had talked about Lego Masters and that I wasn't sure when they were going to do the bridge building. It turns out it was that very same day. Right, right. So I had fun watching that episode. Um, mm-hmm. It was amazing how much weight that they were able to hold. Amazing. Mm. It's worth a watch, if only for that, in, in watching the Canada Zone, Will Arnett, cheesing <laughs> it up as these uh, these Lego builders build some really cool stuff. Mm. And and you were right about uh, the mass Singer. My mind, I was broken. Blown? I was, you're blown? Your mind I was blown? shook. And you were right. They got so close in a way, in a yeah. certain point of view. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I couldn't imagine being on this timeline you know 